le necesitamos. Usted es nuestra esperanza. Usted está escuchando a Podcast Detective. Ahora corre. Hello, Runner Fives, and welcome to the next episode of Podcast Detected. Hello! With us, we have our lovely Liz from Collected Sports Bras. Hi. And Sports I- Bra, it's singular. Oh, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, me too. What I always say it wrong myself. <laughs> None of us know her URLs. And I am Devin from Lovely Devby Neo. And yeah, we're doing a kind of different topic today. I'm really excited about it. Yes, so before we get uh, to our topic of today, I want to say a big thank you to Running Alchemist who provided our intro today. It was lovely. In Spanish, in very good Spanish. And uh, the translation is, we need you, you are our hope, you're listening to Podcast Detected Now Run. So, thanks Running Alchemist. Woo! Do you speak Spanish, Devin? Not a lick. Me neither. I, I can say like the stuff that they say in like in the summer songs, like vamos a la playa and that kind of stuff, but I don't really speak Spanish. I know the Biblioteca song and that's about it. Oh. I, I can say una cerveza, por favor. Por favor. One beer, please. That's important. That's, that's, that's the only thing you need to know, really, if we're speaking yeah, to a different yeah, language. Yeah. So today we are going to be talking about uh, We're Alive. That's a zombie-themed audio drama in form of a podcast and we are going to talk about the first two seasons and we will take a look at it from the point of view of zombies run fans so we will be super critical because uh we're used to certain things (laughs) it's a a small spoiler for for uh, the episode we're used to things happening in a certain way and then it kind of if it doesn't that draws our attention. (laughs) Uh, So we might have uh, listeners today who are just here for this one episode who are not in the Zombies Run fandom, but just in the We're Alive fandom, if something like that exists. I tried to, like, look at some of the tags on Tumblr and I, like, could not find much. But to be fair, We're Alive did finish in, what, oh, in 2012? Yeah, but they're they're coming up with a new season at the moment. So I I think that will be... become more alive oh that was was bad okay sorry i i just spent 10 hours at work (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but if you go to the we're alive tag you will see some of my posts this has been spreading it far and wide because here's the thing even if we are hypercritical ultimately it's a very enjoyable thing to listen to if you yes it was fun but before that before that let's quick talk about our podcast and what we do for those who are not regular listeners we are a fan podcast we talk about zombies run that's a audio drama slash fitness app with zombies and we love it a lot it's been four seasons so far and we talk about every second week we talk about things that have to do with zombies run so if you are here for we real life you should definitely also check out zombies run just saying. It's good. It is very similar in some of the f- more favorite aspects of it. Like, they, they share a lot of the positives. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. They they do use good, they make good use of the good tropes of zombie media. So, there are a lot of things very familiar 
from one medium to the other. It's true. But oddly enough, the one thing that they're so different on, in my opinion, at least, I don't know if you agree with me, Liz, is the zombie. Yes. Yes. Jesus Christ! We will talk about that. Um, Yes, usually in our podcast, we start off with fandom news, where we talk about announcements from Six to Start, the company who makes Zombies Run, or projects in the fandom. We will do that as well today, but very quickly, because there's not much... There's not much and we have a lot to gap about. So for fandom news, we don't have a whole bunch actually compared to um, the fandom roundup did come up on the 6 to Start blog, but a lot of it was stuff we've already covered. One thing we do want to put out there is that if you didn't get to do the virtual race or if you did it and you loved it, you can, the next one, you can sign up for it, right Liz? Yes, I already signed up for it. I think yesterday evening... I was very tired. I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure I did. So, Also, if you look on the Zombies Run blog, they do have like a 40 second preview. And let me just say, I was talking to Liz. This is like the f- preview of some of the best sound quality and use of like special effects I've heard in like one of the Zombies Run like high tension races. It just sounds really good. Like I'm really excited to like listen to it. So I'm a nerd. On a Similar note, there is this um, running project. It's called Run the Year. Uh, So you run 2016 miles in the year 2016. And for those of you who are like me and say, that's way too much. I cannot run that much. That's like nine kilometers a day. Uh, You can form groups and participate as a group. And I, I suggest you just head over to the unofficial Zombies Run group on Facebook. Just Google unofficial zombies run, and people are starting to group up there. It's been it's been kind of low key these past few weeks. We're all kind of like in that pause, that like awkward point in hiatus where there's like we've we've covered most of the stuff that's been happening, and now we just have the crazy stuff that happens when people are on hiatus. So yeah, anything else we should cover before we hop into the today's topic? Let me let me quick check my notes because I have notes. I have so many notes on we're alive. I'm sorry about that too. Uh, no, but no more, no more notes about um, fandom news. So, guys, we're alive. Is like we already said a um. It's, it's technically the full title is "We're Alive: Colon A Story of Survival." Can I just say I love the guy who does the introduction? Oh, he's amazing, like, Michael Swan. In, in, in the beginning of each episode, he would be like, we're alive, a story of survival. And he's like so dramatic about it. And the music in the background is super dramatic. And he's the best. We love you. And <laughs> you're really cool. So basically, the basic synopsis, um, this is very much inspired by the basic iTunes synopsis. So hopefully this isn't too spoiler, except for the first chapter, is that you know, there's a riot that breaks out in LA. It's set in California, which was so weird for me because I kept I kept thinking they're in England, but they're not. Rem- re- remember that. Remember that. It is set in LA. <laughs> Alyssa's feelings about, about the setting of this. Um, so a small riot breaks out in LA and it basically follows these three army people who are all in the same unit together and they're they're like, what is happening? How are we doing this? And they pick up survivors along the way. And by the end of the first two chapters, they fortify this giant apartment building. And the story kind of goes out from there. This, uh, this kind of branches out from these three um, military people and goes on to 
each chapter kind of follows from the perspective of like a different one of the survivors and they're going out and they're trying to figure out like who else has survived, where the zombies like congregate and like getting supplies and every like supply run, there's something huge and amazing that happens, of course, in the fantastical universe that is where alive. And yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. It, um, there's a lot of like loud noises, a lot of guns, a lot of really squeaky situations involving human body parts. And yeah. I almost threw up during that scene. Liz knows what scene I'm talking about. But ultimately, really entertaining. It One thing that me and Liz had in common, and you can probably talk about this in a second, Liz, is the fact that the first chapter actually is kind of slow, surprisingly, for the fact that it's about a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, like, we, we start... We start like really in media's race, so this is very that was very interesting to me because in Zombies Run or in The Walking Dead, in a lot of zombie l- longer running zombies stuff, we don't get to see the the outbreak as such. Maybe just in flashbacks, but this starts with the outbreak and with the characters figuring out what's going on. So it starts really, really fast, and then suddenly it gets super slow. And there is so much exposition. And literally, the reason, though, it didn't grab me is because I really do not like the first three main characters that we follow for the first chunk of it. Yeah, we will talk about that later. Let's... <laughs> I, I, I made an outline for this episode, Devin. <laughs> I'm veering off the course. I'm veering off yes, the course. I yes. have so many feelings. First, I want to talk about the pacing because this is really important. If you want to listen to We Are Live, the first chapters are very slow there's a lot of exposition and it's it's a little boring when you listen to it for the first time and let me tell you it's much worse when you listen to it for the second time because i re-listen to it uh so it it drags along i think the main problem for us is that we are coming from zombies run and the point of zombies run is it's mainly foremost a audio running story and so everything needs to be fast-paced because that's the point it needs to like inspire you to get yes. off the couch and get moving and so it's very different to kind of like worry about like oh the humdrum of actually maintaining a survival environment for like 30 people yeah we get a lot of exposition how they uh, block out the, the the apartment building and stuff and it's not it's not super boring but at the same time it nothing really happens and that was when i realized so the the beginning is so slow, but about, I'd say, one-third into the first season... Oh, it suddenly gets caught on fire. It gets so it, picked it gets, up. And then, actually, until I've listened to all four seasons, and it barely lets you catch your breath. So then the pacing becomes really, really good. It's a well-paced story. I really have to say that. But you have to get through these first few seasons. Episodes. First few episodes. Uh, first few episodes. <laughs> Don't uh, worry, we're not yeah. asking you to sit through no, like no, five seasons no. of it before it gets good. <laughs> I listen to an episode every now and then and I had to force myself to keep going because many people on Tumblr told me, no, it's an, actually, it's a very good story. So I was like, ah, maybe it will get better. Well, it's had to force me to keep going. I, I was yeah. going to stop. But it, 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 it became really good. So we are introduced to the Maulers who are like, Remind me a bit of New Canton. Oh my god, they do! Yeah, so in the beginning, basically, the Maulers are former prisoners from a high security prison and they take over a mall. Hence, And they're like, they they fuck shit up, basically. That's their job. That's literally their description. But where New Canton uh, 
are people with good intentions, the maulers are basically like sadists. <laughs> so they, they just fuck shit up. And that's like, they're the big bad, the zombies and the maulers are the big bad of the first season. And then in the second season, there's this colony. That's that's a kind of a classical trope in zombies run, uh, in zombies, zombie media. Like there's this one colony and it's very peaceful and everybody thinks it's paradise, but actually it's kind of dictatorship and nobody is allowed to leave. And I'm not spoiling anything. Like it's pretty obvious from the beginning, not, not to the characters because the characters are like super oblivious to everything. Everything. But it's kind of obvious. And this is one of the things I really want to talk about because we know that in the universe of real life, zombie movies exist. It's not like in The Walking Dead where zombie movies don't exist, but zombie movies exist. People talk about zombies a lot. And for people who grew up or have encountered zombie movies, they are so bad at dealing with zombies. So bad. They're like, no, like really, there's, there's people who... Like, so obviously are bitten or about to turn. And they're like, don't pay attention. And then are super surprised when these pers- people turn. Okay, like, I have a lot of feelings about this. Because, like, oh, what's, like, the number one thing in every zombie movie? How to kill them. What's the number one way to kill them? Shoot them through the head. But if loud noises attract your specific brand of zombies, they always go for the bow and arrows. Like, that's, like, a, that's, like, that's like a chronic thing. Not until, like... Four fifths of the way through the first season, do they find a crossbow? And even then, people are like, "Oh, you're not gonna do shit with that." And then Riley, who's the woman who is a professional archer, is like, "Okay, you're wrong." And everyone's like, doesn't believe her until she kills like six zombies in a row with it. I was so frustrated. Like, have you never seen a zombie movie? Oh, I was screaming at my iPod. <laughs> and that was also one of the things. A lot of times, you will encounter situations where two or three characters talk about something and then there's another person in the background who says i need to tell you something this is really important and you can really hear that this is very important and then the other characters will be like not now not now and then suddenly every time Datu will... has anything important to say basically Datu or or pegs or or, or the, the kids in the first season um tony tony, Co- tony whatever his name is one if it's something important, just say it. Don't say you're about to say something. And and two, like, if somebody is really panicked and says, guys, this is important, listen to the person. And that will take us right to the next point. The characters. Ugh. Okay, let's talk about Michael first. Michael Jesus is the Christ. first character we meet. He is the one who narrates the story in the beginning. And that's actually quite clever because you think that... Um, um, We're Alive is part, you know, the dialogue, the audio drama, and part narration. And first you think that this is actually because the person, Michael, narrates the whole story. Which would be tragic, because he is such an awful character in the beginning. You start, it's one of those characters where you start to get endearing to him only at, like, the end of the first season. It takes yeah, a while. Yeah. And... Actually, and that's very clever, um, he, he writes down in his journal so he doesn't forget anything, any details. It's very like military log. Yeah, like, and by the middle of the first season, he tells all the other people to also write down what has happened so they can compare notes. And that actually becomes very, very important when they start piecing together um, the, the mystery and solving the whole 
basically the whole plot. Mm-hmm. So this is very important, and this allows one thing that Zombies Run cannot do, and that's kind of n- narrating what has happened in between. It's really hard to kind of move past the show-not-tell in something like Zombies Run when you can't, you know, do everything in a mission, even though they do do a lot of things in a mission, which I appreciate. And it's like this use of the journal format is so interesting because it does allow us to like switch from Michael's point of view to access other journals, which is really interesting. It's like every episode is like another point of view. Thank God. Yeah, and that's actually when the story gets good. So if you start hearing other narrators, then you've basically made it past the very difficult beginning. Also, they really, and this is something I really enjoyed about We Are Alive, they read the other people's journals. So if something happens to one character and then a season later, another character encounters something similar, they will remember what the other character did. So you kind of avoid this whole, oh my God, if you had just talked to each other like scenario. So I like that. That was good. But let's talk about the protagonist, the first protagonist, the main guy, basically. We hear... The first thing we learn about him is that he's like super tough and he was in the military and he was in Afghanistan or Vietnam. Yeah. No, not Vietnam. No, Afghanistan. That's stupid. Afghanistan. He was in Afghanistan for like two rounds or three and he doesn't fear anything anymore, not even death. He doesn't care anymore because he's like so tough. And like, then there's a dramatic pause where he like, you can like see him looking into the sunset. It's like, I used to not fear death. Not anymore. I'm like, I can't, Michael. And I was always like, that was then, and now is now. Like, he's such a drama queen. Oh, He really is. To, like, all the women, he's like, I can't deal with your emotions. And all the girls are like, what the fuck are you on? Yeah, and he's like, basically, the first thing we learn about him is that he was in the military, and then we have him, he's at university. The first person he talks to is a girl from class, and she asks him, like, hey, are you going to go to the party tonight? She's, like, really cute, and she just asks him out. And he's like, no. She's like, whoa, like, she's a bit taken aback because he's a bit rude. And he's like, yeah, I said no. What else do you want? Do you want me to pretend? Like, like, whoa, calm down, He thinks his shit don't stink. Like, he needs to come. He needs to take it down, like, five notches. And quite frankly, zombies do take him down, like, five notches. So. We complain about Michael. He is, I, he really grew on me. He really did. And he, he becomes a much more likable character. But in the beginning, he's very painful to listen to him. Surprisingly, the zombie apocalypse actually loosens him up, which is good. So good. See, the thing is, he's a really good soldier, which is why it's kind of, like, relieving to hear from him sometimes. Because, like, his plans are often very, like, tactical. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. How you're going to go about doing that. But sometimes I'm just like, you need to stop talking immediately. He's kind of like General DeSanta in, like, the Zombies Run way of, like, he's the militarized presence trying to run everyone who doesn't really want to be run in a militarized presence. But he's more annoying. It becomes so obvious during the... During the especially during the first season, it gets better later, that he is not used to communicating with people outside of the military. It's like, thank God for these generals, or else he would just be in la-la land. Yeah, his major problem is basically, like, PR. He just can't communicate. Yeah, uh, and then of the the three main characters uh, in the beginning, the next one is Angel, who's actually my favorite, my trash favorite. Like, he's, he's, he's trash. Like, he really is. He's actually uh, Michael's and Saul's superior. Mm. He hasn't been in active military duty in Afghanistan or something, but he went to 
I guess, to university and like officer school. So he took the more intellectual way of doing things. So he's not as experienced. And that clearly shows because he panics a lot and he freaks out and he's not as experienced as the other two. Yeah. And here's the thing, especially in the first season, they clearly did not really know what to do with him because sometimes he's like very clever and then he's like super dumb. And sometimes he really knows how to handle the civilians and then he's like the worst at talking to anybody and I had the feeling that they basically introduced him so Michael would look good next to him yep. and then in the end of the first season they really they, they team him up with Riley a lot and they're like a super great combo and you kind of find out more about Angel and he became like one of my favorite characters because he's very sarcastic and and yeah so uh he's but but he's also a a terrible person at the same time but i like him so uh also he went to 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 catholic school so he's a catholic character so i always have to root for him (laughs) which surprisingly becomes not just a throwaway line it actually becomes really important in the later seasons yeah, let's talk about Saul. You had some thoughts about Saul, I who's the third him. one. I love him so much. I just, because I feel like, minus the milita- mil- militarized part of it, Saul is basically me in a zombie apocalypse. And by that, I mean, I'm going to risk everyone's ass to go save my dog. He saves his dog. That's so cute. He loves this dog so much. And I'm, I'm going to say that because for a lot of people, that's a red flag. I'm going to spoil that for you. The dog survives. The dog survives. It's it's a puggle and it's everything. They're just so perfect together. <laughs> my my big problem with Saul is that in the beginning he is such a creep. He's such a creep. There's another character who comes in, a blonde, very beautiful woman. Her name is Lizzie. And uh, very early in the first season, Lizzie and her boyfriend, Todd, I think, Try to escape the zombies and Todd gets bitten and Lizzie makes her way to the apartment building. So she survives. And like from the beginning, Saul tries to hit on her. Like her boyfriend just died in front of her and was eaten by zombies. It was gruesome. All he talks about is how he wants to, you know, bang that chick. He's like a total (laughs) womanizer and it's like kind of creepy. Yeah, they want to, they, I think they wanted to go for some kind of Will Smith's Fresh Prince type of character who, you know, hits on ladies and is charming at the same time, but he comes off really creepy. Yeah, no part of him is charming in those first few episodes. What, what annoys me most is that Michael and Angel, who are both his superiors, they react a little bewildered and they do actually call him out, but not in a way of, hey... That's not a way to talk about or to women, but in a way of, we have more important shit to do. Like, like, guys, can you just tell him to... But he becomes better. Saul becomes better. He does. I do kind of get annoyed that's one of those, like, you know, the woman saves him from his terrible plot characteristics, but ultimately it's because of Liz, or not, yes, Liz, that he kind of cuts it out, you know, so to say. Mostly because he's trying to impress her now. So, like, basically, after he gets the dog, he just, like, mellows out as a disgusting character. Bert's another good character, speaking of Bert. Bert is 
Bird is also, this is, we have to talk about women in that podcast as well, because Bird also has a scene where he says something about pouring alcohol all over himself and a woman, and then they can drink and make out. And the woman rightfully says, hi, that's harassment. And Bird says, well, sue me. Like, the fear of getting sued is the only reason you shouldn't harass somebody. And now there are no more laws, so you can do it. And Michael stops him because it would be gross and it would be a waste of whiskey. And he doesn't like the woman, so it would be gross. I'm like, charming. And that's when I liked Angel because he said, okay, you know, guys, that's terrible. Stop. So. Well, at least one of the military men has any brains yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but this is, again, the same thing. Like, sometimes Angel has, like, really brilliant moments. And, and sometimes he's, like, he's the, just a pile the, of lump. The dumpest person around. <gasps> but Bert, Bert is actually a really cool character. Bert is a retired military officer. So, again, it adds another military character to this, which kind of gets repetitive after a while. But honestly, he brings a real flavor to the military is aspect of it. Because, you know, he was from a very different era. He was from the Vietnam era of military, which well, is also very he was a Marine, I think, right? Yeah, and he, he was, was a Marine. A Marine yeah. So, you know, the whole let's take kids from a 29-year-old that just got back from his second tour is, like, very insulting to him. And he makes this very clear. And so him and his endearingly named gun after his ex-wife. Um, no, his late wife. His late wife, yes. is very Yeah. Um Surely. He he's actually brings a lot of, like, spice to the whole, like, secret meetings of just the military members, just because he's, like, the grumpy old man says, get off my lawn. He is also a grumpy old man that's hitting on women all the time, which is super sketchy, which is so unfortunate, because we can't have good things in this podcast sometimes. He, like the most of the characters, he, he gets better. He does. He tries, he tries being in charge for a while, and he also fails, because actually, the guys are very bad at being in charge. They really <laughs> the are. Only person... The only person who's really good at being in charge of, like, a community as such is a person we meet in the third season. And she's a woman. She's a Chinese woman. And she's the coolest ever. So she's very good. And everybody else is very bad at it. But Bert, I mean, he tries and then he steps down because he's like, no, that was not my best moment. I will uh, keep providing guns and stuff and it's so funny like whenever they need more guns he's like we can go to this one stash and i have the list of all the people who bought guns from me so we will go to all their houses and he gets all his guns back so he solves that like trope of the endless ammo by being the supplier of the endless ammo let's let's talk about the the girls for a second breath of fresh air give it to me we have pegs who is and then this is some, she, she has the more, she has a lot of qualities that we usually um, attribute to female characters. So she's a bit shy of using guns. She's a gardener. She is not the most action hero type of person. And I get the feeling she gets so much hate for that, even in the podcast by the other characters, because She's a very girly woman, and that's... She's, like, deeply bad. underestimated, which almost makes her, like... I'm not gonna say, like, rise to power, because she's not... It's not, like, a power-hungry thing, but, like, rise to, like, the, like, heroic... She's, like... She plays a really big role in, like, the season finale... The first season finale in, like, a very interesting way. So, like, she was a very underestimated character, and she still is, quite frankly, but... Yeah, because she mostly gets jealous. That's mostly her character in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. 
She's like, oh my god, someone else looked at Michael. I'm like, Pegs, you can do so much more better than Michael. But she does indeed kind of find the fight spirit, you know? But it, it does take her a while. And she becomes, in season two, um, some of the characters go out to find a doctor because one character gets badly hurt. And so she and, uh, and a few other characters go out to find a doctor and then they stumble across the colony. And she becomes, in this story arc, basically, she becomes a much more interesting character and, and she gets a few character uh, aspects that are not just pining after Michael. Yay. Also, I have to say, whenever Michael, he's such a cool, uh, super strong guy, but whenever he talks to, to Pegs and it's about feelings and stuff, he is so shy and he constantly stumbles across his words and it's actually a little cute. <laughs> so as exhibited, Liz is absolute trash. That's, that's cute. I, I, actually, I actually like that. So Pegs makes Michael a much more character that's much easy to stomach. Yes. Um, who asked with uh, Lizzie, of course. Lizzie starts out as your basic hot chick. Mm-hmm. She's like tall and blonde, has like big green eyes or blue eyes or something. Not brown eyes because brown eyes are never beautiful in movies, I guess. They're wrong, but whatever. Yeah, you're really wrong. And <laughs> um, um, she is, she was a therapist and everything that's more intellectual from jobs you know everything you have to go to university is kind of dismissed by the main guys because if you're not like an engineer you're pretty much useless yeah what's you know what's what's a degree in psychology good for (laughs) but she uses her qualities and she uses her her academic skills and she becomes super badass it's actually really interesting how something we get less in zombies run zombies run kind of lends itself to like you know, if there is going to be a solution to this whole zombie issue, or if we're going to experiment on zombies, it's going to be in more of... I feel like there's a lot of, like, mad scientists going on, you know? Whereas, you know, the a lot of the female characters, but especially um, Liz, right? They kind of start working on these, like, weird home remedies, considering of, like, how to, like, do, like, a zombie repellent, or what attracts zombies, and what happens here, and, like, what's their sense of smell versus their sense of hearing. And, like, she starts doing these, like, really cool experiments like off the top of the apartment building which ends up being like a really interesting few chapters they realize that zombies are attracted to smell so she makes them all work out and sweat so she can collect the sweat she says bottles of sweat she's like throwing them at like different places and like seeing where zombies congregate it's really cool so we get this very much like home remedy like kind of more almost realistic which is you know you're not going to have a whole laboratory in the bottom of your barn like in zombies run but you are going to be you know trying to figure out all information you can with like the best you got which in this case is a few treadmills a jump rope and some bottles of sweat yeah because they're in an apartment building and not in janine deluca's super house farm god bless janine deluca and everything she does yeah, I so many times I've been thinking, and I think that was one of my, my blog posts about We're Life, was like, I would instantly trade these three military guys for, like, either Sarah Smith or Janine. Oh, in a heartbeat. 
Sarah Smith takes the best qualities of all of the military men and just rolls them up into her own character. Like, that's real. Yeah, Lizzie, Lizzie becomes very important also in the in um, the end of season one. Yeah. Because she, she kind of, her and Saul kind of start a thing and she's the one who really solves one of the big problems. So in, in the end of season one, like, everything goes wrong. It's like... The maulers come, and the zombies come, and the building is on fire, and... And, like, <laughs> the water's almost out, and they, they don't have, have a lot of electricity yeah. that's not run off of generators, so they're, like, their power's yeah. running out, and they're all drunk. <laughs> yeah, because they're very stupid. All these characters, as I said, are very stupid sometimes. And so she's the one who figures out a lot of the solutions to many of these problems, and... Then in season two, she basically, she's off on her own for some reasons that are a bit contrived. And then she's off on her own for a good part of season two and three. And it's actually, she has a very interesting story arc. I like it. A bit cliched, but she she gets the, the barely getting raped by the enemy subplot. Because if we don't have a rape subplot, it's not... Uh, Deep sigh. And my other favorite character, which is kind of the end of the main roster, I would argue, is Riley, who is... Riley is the best. I love her so much! Okay, I get emotional about Riley as well. Mostly, she's the one that... She's a competitive archer. She also... Was she the florist? No, she's the chef. Pex was the florist. She was the chef, thank you. And she kind of, like, runs her own... They call it, like, Riley's shop in the apartment building. She kind of takes care of all, like, the medications and all the first aid kits they found while scrounging. And she, like, she organizes a lot of, like, the really important survival things. And she's the one that's completely discounted the first half of the season as being totally useless because she can't shoot a gun. But the second they find a bow and arrow, she's, like, killing zombies, like, literally by the dozen. She just becomes amazing. I think I really love... uh... Especially in season one and two, uh, Riley and Angel team up a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for like missions, and I, I love that whenever these two go out together, they have like a good plan. Great plan, actually. Everything starts out fine, and then they have like all the bad luck. And I think Angel even mentions that, like he's haunted by bad luck. The pile of disembodied arms and human pieces was. Oh. So yeah, they, the two of them, they then have all the, the bad luck in the world and shit goes to hell. And then they both panic because Riley is a civilian and Angel does not have a lot of combat experience. So they both, usually they both panic. And then Angel shouts at Riley that she has to be awesome now and do something. And, that, and Riley is like, I cannot do it. And Angel is like, no, you can't. And then she's awesome. And this is like it. the exact script for five different missions here. Yeah. And, and, and what I like about it is that usually uh, in, in movies, it's, it's, it's um, the, the female character who supports the man emotionally so he can be awesome. And with Riley and Angel, it's always Angel who supports Riley and he believes in her. And that gives her kind of the faith in herself to be awesome, and she usually is. It is really so. amazing. I love those scenes. Like, I make fun of them a lot, because, like, it's a lot of, like, screaming back and forth in those 30 seconds of, like, no, yes, no, yes. But it's, like, it's really, I love it. They're so great. They're, like, chemistry is so great. Um, their banter, also, they have, like, some of the best banter of, like, the pairs I've seen or I've heard on the show. 
um, podcast. Yeah, but I the one thing I've always that has always bothered me is <laughs> they always a kind of they want us to. I think the writers want us to believe that oh maybe they will become a couple, and it's very clear from the very beginning of season one that Riley is into women. And Angel doesn't really realize that until later. But they, I, I, I had the feeling the, the, the story wants me to root for the two of them and then be surprised when it's revealed that it's a bad Riley, jump scare. <laughs> yeah, like and 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 when it's finally revealed that Riley, I mean, it's not very. They don't actually use the word lesbian. Not they really. talk a lot around it. And I always had the feeling that they want us to be surprised about that. And I'm like, that was clear from the beginning. And they, they would make a terrible couple, but they are like a super-powered team. Can we just have that? Yeah, so- they do. It's kind of awkward how they really do push that, like, pseudo... Like, they have good banter, but it does kind of try to foray into flirting. There's, for example, off the top of my head, there's this one scene where they're all stuck in a stadium and they really need to rinse off really badly because of said disembodied human parts Ugh. moment. And, like, Riley's like, oh, like, no peeking, like, ha ha ha. And, you know, Angel's like, oh, no, of course not. I'm a gentleman. And then, you know, she makes quips that, like, of course, like, she peeked at him, though. And it was like, this is, like, weird. Ugh. Like, you're in a stadium with hundreds of zombies. You were just covered in, like, human parts for hours. And this is like why? Why is this the moment to be bantering about dick sizes? Also, also, I don't understand why all the characters or many characters, especially in the beginning, kind of are always like um, they seem to expect those two to become a couple. And like, guys, are you not aware that she like? It wasn't even subtle. They're all idiots. We mentioned those. I mean, other honorable character mentions are probably like, you know, there's a teenager Tommy who, of course, is like, oh, I hate my life. Um, but all turns out to be quite clever. So he's like a good character. And then there's Datu, who's the um, Indonesian maintenance man. I think. He's just dramatic yeah. about everything. And he's great. Like everything happened. And any, like, you know, a brick could fall. And he'd be like, this is the end. I am dying. I hate you all. You brought me to this place. So he's fun. <laughs> then we also have Kelly, who is a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And again, who needs a lawyer? So she's basically useless in the eyes of the guys, which is stupid because law- she went to university. She's clearly very smart. And here's the funny thing. She she starts off as a very despicable character. Yeah. You don't like her. And when I re-listened to, to We Are Alive, I was like... I remember really liking Kelly, and I didn't remember she was that bad in the beginning, but she becomes super awesome in, in, I think, in the second season, around the second season. So Kelly is cool. We like Kelly. Yeah. And we have a lot of, we have a lot of red shirts. We have the Maulers. There is these, there are these twins from the Maulers, like, murder twins a guy and a girl and they are pretty freaking terrifying they are very cool and they have this like weird complex story you really only hear about if you're like listening closely to their weird background banter like you know she's clearly a flavor of psychotic in some way 
and he's not, and I think they're twins or something, and, like, yeah. he, the only reason he was in the prison with the rest of the Maulers was because, like, he took the fall for her or something. They have this very, like, dramatic backstory going on that's, like, really interesting to, like, listen to the podcast and, like, hear how much you can pick up of all the characters' different, you know, very different origins. We later find out that um, they're both, from what I guess, I don't know much about organized crime, they're, like, in the mafia. Yeah. Their mafia family, and that explains a lot why she's so obsessed with with certain things, and that ex- explains a lot of background for these characters. So she, they are like the the, the, the badass psychotic mafia. It does. Friends. They definitely come from a very different place as the rest of the characters, and that's shown really clearly from like the first two times we meet them, when they are not here. To, yeah, they're here to pick a fight, basically, and everyone else is like, I don't understand why what we did was bad, and they're like, Are you morons then? And it, they, it's, like, a really interesting part of, like, in the middle of a zombie apocalypse where mostly everything stems from violence. This one kind of stems from, like, mutual misunderstanding of, like, someone else's, like, perceptions. Which was kind of cool to be like, okay, so we're gonna have all these conflicts. Well, some of them are gonna be very mutual and violent. Some of them are gonna be, like, way more, like, you know, human-based. And it was, an, it was it's really interesting how that whole thing goes down. In season two, there are more characters, especially in the colony, that become important, like Victor. But those are characters we meet in season two and have become very important in season three and four. So, I mean, there are a lot of people. So, <laughs> and I wonder how they are not dead yet. Like, this is how these people survive is, like, beyond me because so many people... Who make so many stupid mistakes. Can I just can I just illustrate the stupidest? Because I'm very upset by this mistake to this day. To this day. So something we should probably talk about soon is the fact that their zombies are very different. There's different flavors of zombies, and they are like, whoa. And like, oh, they're just they're really cool, but very different. And so, like, you know, we think they're idiots because they're zombies. You know, you're not, you know, you can't read, you can't write, you can't like communicate with each other, you're just going for the brain. So they put the code, like the lock code of the apartment building on the door oh, God, so yes. other survivors can get into the apartment building because that's the point. Is they're, you know, they hung a giant banner on their from roof saying, like, we're alive, hence the name of the podcast. So, you know, they could congregate as many humans in one place as they possibly could. Smart-ish. Not really. Then they figure out that some of these zombies are intelligent. Some of them can conduct plans and plant traps. And also that there are people out there who want to murder them. Yes, and then them. the maulers happen. And the maulers are mad at them because of a misunderstanding, because of many other reasons, because that's really kind of fucked up, that mauler relationship. And all the while, as a listener, you're probably, if you were me, you were like, you, put the, you took the code down, right? They didn't. They just didn't. Also, you know, there are like things where they're having a party. So in the end of season one, there's... And they get drunk up their asses. And I was like, I kind of understood the, the reasoning saying, hey, we need a day off. We've been working day and night. We should take a day off. I think it's even 4th of July. And like, let's, let's have a party and, and drink something and just celebrate. And when I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Just have some fun once in a while. And then they all get super drunk. All of them. An important point for this is, like, okay, I can understand getting shit-faced during a zombie apocalypse. I think we all can. But the main thing is that this is they, this happens hours after they realize every single round of ammo has been stolen and all their food is gone. 
So someone just robbed them, and they're like, we're gonna get drunk. And not, and, and, and it's just like, I think Tommy, who is the teenager, so he's not allowed to drink, as if that would pay, like, really? He's 17, give that kid a drink <laughs> if he wants to. It's the fucking zombie apocalypse. Who gives a shit? But, like, he and Bert are the only people who don't get drunk. And then Bert gets drunk. And then some hot girl's like, hey, take a shot with me. And he's like, yeah, okay. I'm like, dude, you're 60. Sit the fuck down. You should at least have a full team of people who still guard. Because guess what happens? Everything goes to hell because they get attacked. And they left the code on the door. And there's like one scene like in season two when they meet Victor, who's one of the... Basically, he's like a runner for the colony. And they meet him and they want to go to the colony. And the whole time, he's like, guys, you, you, sh- you shouldn't go to the colony. It's, it's, it's not a good place. He's like not subtle at all. He, he does everything to warn them. And then they just ignore it and they go to the colony and then they realize, oh my god, he tried to warn us. And like, oh my god, I never no shit, <laughs> he did, yeah, he did. And he's obviously kind of upset about it. He was like, oh no, it's not my fault anymore. There's this one scene where one of the two crazy psychotic twins, the, the woman, Stop. recognizes Angel who's one of the main characters, and nobody ever talks about that. And I was like, guys, um, shouldn't you kind of talk about this? Guys, pay attention to your surroundings. Yeah, it was so... Oh, everything's difficult. Listeners, it's Liz here coming to you from the editing booth. That is not really a booth, actually. It's my living room, which also is not really my living room, but... My room, my only room. I only have one room. Anyways, uh, this episode got quite long because we had a lot and lot to say about We Are Alive. We had many thoughts. We wanted to make it like a really, really thorough discussion. So we're going to split it up into two parts. This was part one and you will hear part two on Wednesday when we will discuss one of our favorite topics that is representation and diversity in fiction. We will talk about the very interesting zombie lore. We will talk about our favorite and least favorite things of We're Alive. And of course, in the end, we will answer the most important question. Do we recommend Zombies Run fans listen to We're Alive or not? But more on that in our part two of We're Alive. It will come out on Wednesday. And for now, stay safe out there. Podcast Detected is a non-profit project brought to you by way too many people in a com shack. Zombies Run belongs to Six to Start. Music is Rich Groove by Jason Kessler. Questions? Want to submit a story or need more information? You'll find us on Tumblr or Twitter at Podcast Detected or email us at way too many people in a com shack at gmail.com No runners were harmed during the making of this episode.